Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Med Year, session number 323. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. And welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you for joining me on this journey to medical school, the journey that you are on right now. Before we get started with today's episode, which is a great interview with a pre-med who is going to medical school soon, I want to let you know that secondaryapps.com is finally live. Now, the secondary essays are a big part of the medical school application process, and I've wanted for several years to get all of the medical school's secondary essays on my website. And with the help of Sam, a student who I hired a couple months ago, we finally have that on our site. Secondaryapps.com will take you there. We have the secondary essays for every school that offers them. We have an easy way for you to tell us that there are new essays for the year. And if you didn't know, most schools will reuse the same essays year after year. Some schools change them, and we have an easy way for you to let us know that those secondaries are updated so we can keep you fully updated as well. We have some more great stuff coming to the secondaryapps.com, including videos and posts all about how to answer the most common types of secondary essays, whether it's diversity questions or obstacle questions or what are you doing in your time off type questions. We're going to have a bunch of information there for you to help you answer your secondary essays as well, not just the essay prompts. Included on those pages is the secondary essay fees and if they do the FAP waiver, as well as mission, vision, and other information that we felt was helpful for you as you answer those questions. If you are listening to this on launch day, which is January 30th, 2018, we have a secondary essay contest going on right now. If you go to my Instagram account, that's instagram.com slash medicalschoolhq, or just search for me, medicalschoolhq, and look for our contest details in my bio and the post, all about how to enter to win one of two grand prizes, a secondary essay editing package valued at $500. That contest ends on February 1st, 2019 at 12 midnight Eastern time. So again, if you're listening to this between January 30th, 2019 and February 1st, 2019, 
go find my Instagram account at Medical School HQ and look for details on how to enter that contest. And thank you to Sam and thank you to every student who has helped me get to this point with these secondary essays. All right, to today's guest, we have Madeline, a student who always wanted to be a doctor and then didn't want to be a doctor, partly because her advisor said she could never get in with the grades that she got, went the PT route for a little bit, got into PT school, and then realized maybe she was meant to be a doctor after all. We're going to talk about her journey, what she thinks set her apart, that she got three interviews right off the bat and multiple acceptances so that she canceled the rest of her secondary essays, which isn't always, is always a nice feeling. We're going to talk about what she struggled with, how she overcame those struggles, and so much more. Let's go ahead and jump in and say hello to Madeline. Madeline, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. When did you first realize that you wanted to be a physician? So this is kind of a complex question um, because I grew up saying that I wanted to be a doctor just forever from kind of the time that I could talk. I enjoyed watching untold stories of the ER and all those weird Discovery Channel um, TV series when I was a kid. And then I got to college and suddenly didn't think I wanted to be a physician anymore. So um, I guess I should say my whole life I've kind of wanted to be a physician, but not not entirely sure when that started for let's, real. Let's break that down for somebody who who has that same similar feeling and they, they can't verbalize why they want to do it. Uh, what do you think was it that, that got you interested in those TV shows? I, I'm assuming your parents like them and so you watched them as a kid. But not at all. Really? <laughs> no, I mean, my, my mom's kind of squeamish. Um, <laughs> so like, it's not like they said, oh, no, it would turn it off. But they they weren't watching it. And then I came in. It was the kind of thing where if I had the remote, I was either watching Animal Planet or uh, Discovery Channel. And I just I I thought it was really cool that the, the science behind it. And I mean, I, I hate to say that I like science and helping people, but that was kind of what my basis was on, at least initially. Yeah. What do your parents do? Um, so I don't know my dad, um, but my mom is a freelance writer. Okay. Not healthcare related. No, 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 no. Okay. Very interesting. There are those kind of medical writers. Those are kind of cool jobs. And so maybe you were exposed that way. Any, any close relatives, family members that were in healthcare at all? Not, I mean, I think I have like a, a distant aunt removed several times but yeah. but other than that yeah. I, I never was around anybody that um that worked in healthcare. interesting very cool so what do you think it was that uh that had you say yeah i want to be a doctor when i grow up obviously being interested in these tv shows what do you think it was when you got to college that you were like yeah i don't know well so i never really had any academic problems in high school um i i had to study and do stuff but if i read the book then i'd make an a and it wasn't that hard but then i got to i got to college and i went to um the honors college at university of south carolina and it was very intense and they they're used to you know kids coming in that are really ambitious and put us all on all these honors courses and so i took vector calculus um oh god what else uh, chemistry in the lab for that, biology in the, the lab for that, and a, a couple other courses and an exercise science course. And all of that together, like coupled with the fact that I was in, in college on my own, um, it, I just was completely overwhelmed and was, you know, d didn't do so high that semester. And so I thought to myself, like, well, I'm not, 
I don't really have like a really tangible idea as, as to why I want to be a physician. So if I can't even handle my first semester of college, then how the heck am I going to be able to ever handle med school? Um, so I think that's when I started doubting myself was my, my freshman year of college. That's why it's so important. I try to remind students as they're going through this process, whether struggling with their grades or struggling with their MCAT prep, whatever it is, to to always lean on their why. Why are you doing this? And picture that. And it's hard for somebody like yourself who didn't really have a solid why. It was just the story that you told yourself, I'm going to be a doctor, uh, like like those TV shows. And and when you meet your first adversity, you start to crumble a little bit. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. I didn't have a, a really strong reason as to why I wanted to do it. So, Yeah. So where did you pivot to instead of wanting to be a physician? So um, because of timing, uh, I actually started competitive powerlifting my second semester of my freshman year in college. And there were a lot of physical therapists that would train at my gym. And so I thought it was really cool, like, you know, when, when you're getting under a lot of heavy weights, things break and things hurt. And they were able to, um, my training partners were able to make me feel better. And I thought, well, this is really cool. This is biomechanics and exercise science and all the stuff that I like. Let me try to be a physical therapist. How did you explore that world? Uh, I shadowed them a lot. Um, I was around them very frequently because we'd be training for two to three hours a night, two or three days a week. So um, I'd ask them all kinds of questions and um, I went and I, I, I think I said I shadowed them a bunch and, um, you know, ex- explored that. And that seemed like that was a lot, I guess, more attainable in my eyes than medical school for some reason. So that's, that's how I ended up there. How far along that path did you get? <laughs> so I actually took the GRE three times, applied to physical therapy schools and got into one. Three um, times for the GRE. Yeah, that it was. Yeah, I did not. I did not study well for that. But I figured it. I figured it out by the third time. But it was still really expensive. You finally got there. So yeah. you went pretty far down this physical therapy path. Oh yeah, I put a deposit down and everything. I I was very far down that path. You you get accepted to a school. Mm-hmm. When did you realize? Like I don't know if this is what I want to do. So I wasn't excited when I got into physical therapy school. I was relieved because it was like okay, well. I have a career, you know, I'm going to have some way to make money, but, but there was no real passion about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of, that, that haunted me a little bit. And, um, and I was really, I, I loved the idea of being able to use my hands to, to help people to be able to do like soft tissue manipulations and all that other stuff. And I was, uh, I was actually, my, my best friend's a massage therapist and, um, he was working on me. Uh, it was like a couple days before my my college graduation, and I was like, "Man, I really wish somebody could do, you know, kind of what you're doing and what I love about physical therapy and also, you know, medicine." And he said, "Well, there's this thing called a doctor of osteopathic medicine, and it's basically that." Yeah, and so you looked at that, and what did you do? I emptied my savings account and <laughs> signed up for organic chemistry. <laughs> so you had graduated at that point. Yeah, yeah, I had graduated. Wow. Okay. How did you find out the information for like, oh, wow, I, I want to go to medical school now. How did you find like what those next steps were? Where did you get that information to figure out what you needed to do? The internet. <laughs> um, I, I think I, what I did was I went online and I looked and to see what the, like med school prerequisites were. Cause it's, you know, it's a similar process applying to physical therapy school and medical school. Um, so 
I think I looked and saw what, okay, well, I have to take organic chemistry. And, and that I, I hadn't fully committed to that at that point in time. I hadn't fully committed to being a physician. Cause I mean, like I said, I put down a deposit, um, on physical therapy school in case this didn't work out. I had like a backup plan. So it was kind of like a, man, I really want to do this. I really like the sounds of this. Um, I'm really not feeling the whole physical therapy thing. So, uh, let me, let me try out organic chemistry, see how I do and, and go from there. Or organic chemistry is nothing like being a physician. What what was your threshold for? Yeah, I'm going to do this. Was it was it literally just doing well in organic chemistry? Um, no. I I went while I was in organic chemistry. I I figured out I needed to go. I started listening to your podcast and I I needed to go shadow. So I had a a really amazing shadowing experience with a, a DO who just does neuromuscular medicine. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and I'd always thought, like, I think this is one of those things where I think in the back of my mind, I always knew I wanted to be a physician. I just doubted myself so much that I'd convinced myself I didn't. Um, but I, I went and, and shadowed this DO and, and saw what she could do in terms of um, helping relieve people's pain and just helping them, you know, feel better generally in their life. And um, and I that, that kind of settled it for me. Um, that and that and I actually talked to my primary care physician about it, and he was really motivational about it. Was that the first time you had shadowed somebody? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so that's the biggest thing that I think most students miss is that you're telling yourself, "Oh, I always wanted to be one," but that's all theoretical because it's from watching TV, it's from mm-hmm. maybe seeing friends whose whose parents are physicians, or or your friends going to medical school. But but there's nothing tangible for you to lean on yeah. until you went and shadowed for the first time. And then you're like, okay, now I get it. Yeah, I really needed that that experience to solidify it for me. Why do you think you never did that earlier? Um, so part of that had to do with bad advisors. Um, I, I When I was kind of talking to my advisor, because I was pre-med initially about how, you know, I... I really want to do this medical thing, I think. And then she just straight up told me that there's no way you're getting to medical school with the grades you just made that first semester. So um, let's talk about that. What mm-hmm. you didn't do well in one semester of your undergrad, your first semester yes. of your undergrad, what, what kind of grades did you get? So I got a C in the vector calculus. I got a C in biology 101, which is, I think was the most concerning thing to her. And then I think I did well in all the other classes, but but those two big ones were the the ones where she was basically like, if you get if you get a C in biology one hundred and one, then how are you? How the heck are you going to be able to tackle biochemistry and <laughs> of everything course. else? Of course, of course, because one class is going to determine the rest of your life. <laughs> right? I, yeah, and it's it obvious. is absurd. It is very absurd. But yeah. you know, at the time, it it made sense to me for some reason. So you're walking out of your first semester with like a two eight two nine three zero somewhere around there. I think it was a three zero. Okay. I think, it, but it was it was very much a it, it was not anywhere close to a three five or a four zero. Yeah. Okay. So you you get that initial uh, amazing feedback from your advisor, and yep. you're like, yeah, okay, I guess I shouldn't do anything on the pre med path. Let's let's mm-hmm. redirect somewhere else. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. Awesome. If you could go back to that point in time, what would you tell yourself? Honestly, nothing, because I, I think I needed to have this weird roundabout path to get where I am to, to be the best that I can be and do the best I can be in medical school. I, I needed this time off to kind of figure everything out myself. What kind of stuff did you figure out? Um, 
Well, I didn't know how to study and I didn't figure that out actually really until organic chemistry. Um, so that was a big thing for me. Uh, that and, and kind of part of that was just kind of figuring out how to lead a balanced life and not be the kind of person who wouldn't study at all. And then finals week would come and I would literally not leave the library for a week. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not sustainable. No, not at all. What do you think? It's, it's interesting. You say you didn't know how to study until organic chemistry, mm-hmm. whereas most people have kind of learned how to study and then, and then organic chemistry breaks that studying. What, what yeah. do you think works for you there? Well, part of it was, again, the, the motivation, having shadowed that position and having this concrete, tangible thing where I was like, okay, well, this is really not fun, but I should stay in the library and not go out with my friends tonight because I really do want to be like that physician. So having that goal, having the motivation to, to keep studying, um, that was a big thing. Uh, that and I, I found a, a group of um, other little non-traditional-ish students to study with, and I figured out that I study really well in a group setting. So those two are the big things, probably. How did you find a group of collaborative students that were willing to to be nice to you? Probably sheer dumb luck. But uh, I was I, I was in a, a room with um, a bunch of people who were not that much younger than me, you know, 19, 20, but I was 22, 23, and felt just older and out of place, which I know that's, that's ridiculous, but I, I didn't, I didn't really feel like there was anybody to talk to in the class. And I knew that I needed to do that. Um, especially cause it was a summer class. So it wouldn't move really, really fast. And I, I wanted to kind of try to form that group. So I just saw somebody, um, sitting next to me that I thought I went to middle school with or elementary school and we weren't good friends, but I thought I'd seen him at some point. So I started talking to him and we just kind of bonded and went from there. Yeah. And while you were going through your undergrad, you were busy with with work as well. Yes. Right? Yes. Talk about yeah. why why did you work and and how did you make it work to to work while you're also in school? Um so I I had to work. Well, I didn't have to work, but I wanted to graduate without any student loans. Um so I I was lucky enough to get some some scholarship money, but I still needed stuff to live on. So I, I figured out what jobs would be flexible enough for me to be able to study and make my own schedule and go to classes and things like that. And um, I, I usually worked two jobs. I think at one point I had like four where I would just, I, I wouldn't work a whole lot of hours in each one, but I was able to kind of piece together um, enough hours between all of them to where I could, I could make it work. And, and did you graduate without any debt? I did. And then I uh, got some great debt paying for biochemistry <laughs> later on. But but in the long term, it'll be fine. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I wish I wish more students could figure out how to do that. And obviously for you, it it didn't work out perfectly because your grades weren't the best. And so it kind of forced you to overcome some hurdles because of your GPA. Do you do you think the the working had a bigger impact on your grades or was it just a lack of just understanding a lack of clarity with your goals as well? So I think the clarity with the goals was a, was a big part of that. Um, but I, I think, I think trying to balance everything and I, and I balanced everything relatively well, but just kind of learning how to do all of that, that definitely took a toll on my grades because I'd be, I'd be, I was a personal trainer. So I'd be trying to you know, work with client schedules and, you know, also go to class and then I'd forget to schedule any time to study. And then lo and behold, the exam would be there and I haven't done anything for it. 
Um, so, so that, that did indeed play a part in it. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the MCATs, the glorious MCATs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the wonderful, glorious MCAT. How did you step, step into that world, MCAT world with, with your preparation? What did you use? How did you, how did you fare with that? Um, so I, I took the MCAT twice. The first time I took it, it was cause I was kind of debating about doing a special master's program. Um, and I knew that they would have to, they, they required that for, uh, um, an entry for, for entry. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't expect to do super well in the MCAT. I took that, I think it was like late summer, early fall of, um, right after organic chemistry. So I still hadn't taken biochemistry yet. So I knew I wasn't going to do great. Were you, um, were you rushing the MCAT because of SMP applications? Absolutely. Okay. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I was I and I knew that I wasn't ready to take it, but I was still kind of telling myself that, well, I just need I just need to take it so that I can I can do an SMP. Okay. Okay. And so you rushed it and didn't go very well. No, no, it I don't I don't remember. It was like I got like a 490 something. So it wasn't ridiculously bad, but it was nowhere near what I needed. Okay. All right. So you um, did you end up doing an SMP? No, 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 no. And I'm so glad I didn't. Um, yeah. Your your podcasts were a huge part of that. Let's let's talk about that thought process because so many students, I get so many questions that are all around, do I need to do a master's program? Do I need to do a post-bac? Do I need to do an SMP? What was, what was the thought process for you of d- doing an SMP or not? So I think pre-meds just kind of by default are all perfectionists. So we all think of there's like even one blemish or like me, I think there are about 10 different C's that I got through on my undergrad career. You know, if we, we feel like we have to correct that and make it perfect because med school is not going to let us in unless we're perfect. And so I thought I needed to do an SMP or just like redo the bio, biology and the other stuff that I didn't got season before I even applied. And then you said, um, let the med schools tell you no before you do that. Mm-hmm. And I and I looked at the costs and it was going to be something absurd like yeah. tw- twenty grand for just tuition and then of course I couldn't work so you got to add that in too mm-hmm. and I was just thinking like all right well it's going to be expensive to apply to med school but not that expensive but, exactly but but it's not it's not twenty grand so why don't I go ahead and apply um, let them tell me no let them tell me what I need to be stronger on and then go from there. Cause I mean, even if I had, they wanted me to retake biology, I could just retake that one class and that would still be significantly less than the whole program. Yeah. So what was your GPA hovering around when you were going through this decision? Uh, hmm, it was a three, it was like a three, three, I think. Okay. Um, something like that. For cumulative and science. For cumulative, the science was definitely lower. I, I don't remember exactly what my science was, but it was either like a 2.9 or a 3.0. For your science? Yeah. Okay. And at that point, you were like, I'm going to apply and see what happens. Exactly. Okay. And I, I think a lot of students would be like, oh, that's crazy. Why Why would you do that? <laughs> you can't get in with those grades. Um, and, and you said you didn't do well on the MCAT the first time. What did you change to, to do better on the MCAT the second time? I'm assuming you did better. I did. Yeah, I did significantly better. Um, so I never really carved out specific times to study for it. Um, I'm a, I'm a very like, I I like routines. I like rituals. So Mm -hmm. 
Um, my, my same friend that I studied with on organic, he was going through the application process at the same time as me, which that was amazing to have somebody to help, you know, edit personal statements and stuff like that with. But so he and I would meet and study, um, every Monday and Wednesday for like four or five hours and then study on the weekends too. So I had somebody kind of keeping me accountable and, and somebody to study with and be like, I don't know what this is talking about. Do you understand it and work through it together? Um, that, and I did the next step course, which was really, really great. Um, especially, you know, whenever there'd be a problem that I wouldn't understand at all, I could get the tutor to explain it to me and, um, and, and having the access to the tests. That's the other thing I did that made a big difference was, uh, just kind of ramming tests over and over so that, I would get the mental stamina to do it, uh, to, to be able to, to tackle how the length of that test. Yeah. So you, you take your tests, you're doing next step, you have a study group and, and you walked into the test and, and finally got the score you were potentially hoping for. Yes. On the dot. Good. Good. And what were you shooting for? So I was shooting for like a, I was shooting for a five Oh five because I, I knew that was realistic for me. You know, if I said like, I'm going to do like a 515 or something that just that I was going to be sitting around waiting forever for my my practice exams to get that high. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I knew at that point I'd, I'd done really, really well on organic one and two and biochem and genetics. So I knew that I had an upward trend there. So I was already kind of proving to med schools like, Hey, you know, I, I, I figured out how to study and I can do well academically in med school. Um, so I just wanted to get, uh, kind of, I wouldn't say bare minimum, but, but kind of like a solid enough score to where I knew that wasn't going, they, they weren't going to look twice at my MCAT score in a negative or a positive way. Yeah. Um, how did you come up with that number? Cause a lot of students will, will look at their GPA and they'll talk to somebody and be like, Oh, with that GPA, you're going to need a such and such number. Did you ever go through that process or did you was like, what's realistic for me? So funny enough, I went back to the advice, not the same advisor, <laughs> but I, I went back to a different advisor in like the office of pre professional advising or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, she, she gave me a number to, I don't remember what the number was. I, at that point I was just like, all right, well, I've already done this before. And, and, I didn't listen to them that first time. So let me not listen to this person anyway. Yeah. And what did they tell you? I think it was like a five thirteen or something. It was, it was something that seemed extremely arbitrary and it, and she showed me a, <laughs> like a graph that had a bell curve on it. And I threw the graph away almost immediately. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't remember exactly, but that's funny. Yeah. It's it, the advisors. They try to do their best, but no, it's not always. It was. The best it was advice. totally well intentioned. There, yeah. she was very sweet and very well intentioned, and I was not going to listen to her. Yeah, yeah. So you you applied to DO schools. Obviously, mm -hmm. that was something that interested you. Did you apply to MD schools at all? I didn't, um, because I am so. I, I want to be able to use OMT in my practice. Um, I don't intend to do solely neuromuscular medicine, but. I want that to be in my toolbox as a physician. So I, I only wanted to go to DO schools. Okay, interesting. So you submitted your applications. What was the, the hardest thing about the application process for you? Um, corralling my letters of rec, the, the writers from my mm. letters of rec and getting them. It's like herding cats. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'd heard you say things like make sure that you've got, got that got them solid before you hit the submit button or they, you know, your application could be delayed like six months because someone went on vacation and forgot. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And did you did you have any issues where letters of recs were coming in late? Yes. <laughs> so so the the physicians that wrote my letters of rec um, were great and were very on time. But my organic chemistry professor, uh, it was he was about to retire. Like that was his last semester teaching was was that um, that spring semester. So there was I, w- I went to his office every day for two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, like, like went, in, went in exactly Ready? went in person and and said, hey, you know, I just you know, I brought you coffee. How are we doing? A letter of recommendation? Can I help with anything? And yeah. and I I went there almost every single day for two weeks. Did you submit your letters through Interfolio or directly to Comus? I did Interfolio. Yeah. Okay. And how was that process for you? The Interfolio process? Oh, it was great. I I think everybody should do that. I mean, because they're stored there. So if I need them for any reason, I have them. Um, and not only that. Uh, somebody spelled my name wrong because it already has too many vowels and it's hard to spell as it is. Yeah. And uh, Interfolio checked that, picked up on it, and we were able to get that corrected before I sent anything off. Yeah, that's something I don't talk enough about with Interfolio is that it's not just a repository where you can have your letter sent. They check spelling of names and is the is the letter recommendation on letterhead? Is it signed? Is there a date? All these things yeah. that are required, they'll check that and let you know so that you're not scrambling at the last minute. And, and even better than that, I'd forgotten about this. Uh, one of the schools at Alabama, the College of Osteopathic Medicine, um, they're they're very strict on their letters, and they want the professors to say like the exact. I don't think it was a section number, but they want to know the exact class they taught you in and what their their title is. If they're like a clinical associate professor, they they have all these guidelines they wanted. And um, I actually had to get that letter writer to to resend it. And I called Interfolio and said, "Hey, these are the things I need in that letter. Is that in there?" And they were able to read it and tell me yes. Nice, perfect. Yeah, because again, for for you listening, you are not supposed to be looking at your letters of recommendations. No, I know, I know some some letter writers will just send it to you as well, but you're not supposed to look at them. Yeah. Um. Awesome. So you, how many schools did you end up applying to f- through Acomus? So I applied to ten, and I filled out secondaries for three, and was accepted before all of the other ones got back to me with secondaries. Really? Yeah. How did you think that happened? So I submitted, I submitted later than I thought that I wanted to. I submitted like mid June. Okay. Um, so, you know, the early thing is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I made sure that, that I was different and that everything that I wanted them to know about me stood out. And I did that. I'm going to plug you here by, by using you to edit my extracurriculars and my personal statement and making sure that that was immaculate and that that was, you know, that that was what I needed it to be and just making sure I presented the best possible package for myself that I could. And by the time I hit submit, I knew that there, there was not anything in there that I, I could make better. And, and by making yourself different, you didn't say, look at all these hours of shadowing I have, look at all this clinical experience I have, I'm going to be an amazing physician. How did, how did you stand out? How did you make yourself different? Um, so a lot of that was unintentional because I wasn't planning on going to med school. So it's not like I did all this weird innocuous shadowing that didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, I, everything that I did, I love to do. So, um, I'm a competitive powerlifter. I have a couple world records there. I know that stood out. Um, I've done, I did, I volunteered for an animal shelter training dogs and that was something that I really liked to do. So everything on there that I, I checked all the boxes, so to speak with volunteering and all that, but there, there was nothing on my application that I didn't love and that I couldn't talk with and be passionate about. And that, that, that I think that came across really was just kind of the raw passion I have. So in other words, you were just you. Exactly. I was just me. There was 
me presented in the best way that I could be presented. Yeah. And, and that's what it's all about is tell your story. <laughs> and I, I think that's where with my personal statement book, with the course, with everything, I, I try to get students to just tell their story and not try to sell why they think they're going to be amazing physicians. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When it came to your interview, you went on one interview or more than one? Three. Three interviews. So you you submitted three secondaries. You got mm -hmm. uh, three interviews with mm -hmm. a 505 and roughly a, a three something, low three science GPA. Um, mm -hmm. you, during your interviews, what did you guys talk about? Um, so I actually did the beta group for your, for your interview course, which was also very helpful. <laughs> um, in fact, I was well prepared for you to open this by saying, tell me about yourself, but mm -hmm. I'm, but I'm glad you didn't. Um, so we, we talked about the exact same things you talked about in that, interview, in that interview prep course, just kind of generally the whole tell you, tell me about yourself question. And then, um, why, why DO is a big one, which was not hard for me to answer. And then, you know, why be a physician and why this school? Mm -hmm. And I was able to, no one asked, well, <laughs> except for one, no one asked me anything other than those questions because we had so much to talk about with those questions. Yeah. Did you get into talking about your powerlifting and all that fun stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, because that that was again just, just something that I'm very passionate about and that really set me apart and and was a big part of me wanting to be a physician and kind of my journey there. Yeah, and it's different. That's why I say yes, different. Yeah. Different is better than better. You're not exactly. there to to show them up and say, "Look at my 4.0. Look at my 525. Look at this. Look at that." It's look, I, I did this fun thing on the side because it was something I was super passionate about. And they're like, oh, yes, thank God. Something something yeah. interesting that, that isn't like your uh, all of your shadowing hours that are going to make you an amazing physician that we have to talk about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that obviously resonated with the interviewers. You got your first acceptance. and And why did you choose to sit on that first acceptance and then cancel everything else? So... I, I didn't. So I got accepted. The first interview that I had and the first acceptance I had was to the Alabama College of Osteopathic Medicine. And that was my number one school. Okay. Um, so once I'd gotten that, I was um, actually, so I had all my interviews done within a span of three weeks. Okay. Um, so I didn't actually know about getting into Alabama until after I'd already finished my second interview. Okay. And then by the time I got to my third interview, I almost didn't go to it. But then the third interview ended up being where I'm actually going. So I'm really glad I went. Okay. But you, um, you stopped you stopped filling out other secondaries. Correct. Right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And why why did you stop doing that? Oh, uh, because I figured I might as well save my money and because <laughs> the three schools that I got invited to interview at were my three top schools and my it was my top three choices. So at that okay. point, you know, I I didn't really want to go anywhere else. Okay, so you had at least one acceptance. It was to one of your top schools, and and you're like, okay, I don't need to do these other ones. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So when you you got multiple acceptances, mm -hmm. what what was it? You said Alabama was your top choice. Why right. why was this third school now all of a sudden your top choice? So I, I'm going to Lincoln Memorial University, the best college of osteopathic medicine, which is the longest name ever. Yes. But the reason why that won out over Alabama was because it, it's a big school, but they have done, they've made efforts to make sure that it 
also kind of retains a small environment. Mm. So I was getting all of the perks of the small school, which Alabama is a small school. Um, but I was also getting all of the resources of having a large school. So they have uh, like three or four different mental health professionals on there that are their, their job is to just be therapists to the students. They have um, all kinds of research opportunities. They have everything that a big school has, and they also have done things to foster a small school environment. So that was my big reason. And were their weightlifting facilities better? <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> You'll have to work on that then. I will. Yes, that's okay. the plan. Very cool. So you got into medical school, you you put down your deposit, and mm -hmm. what do you do in the, in the meantime before you start school? Are you trying to figure out what to do to best prepare? Are you just relaxing? What are you doing now? So I'm working as a medical scribe, um, which I, I didn't mention that before. Uh, when I decided that I wanted to apply to medical school, one of the things that I did uh, after I was done taking all my classes was, was sign up to be or apply to be a medical scribe. Um, so I'm still working as a medical scribe, but I'm doing everything I can to kind of just get exposed to as much as possible. Mm. Um, so I've gotten a couple of the physicians to uh, to agree to let me watch some of their procedures, and I'm I'm kind of trying to do everything I can to to prepare for medical school without without preparing for it directly. Like I'm I'm not pre-studying or anything like that because I I know me and I will get way too intense with it and be burned out before med school starts. <laughs> Don't want to do that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. If you could go back right now and and tell your your um, day one undergrad self some words of wisdom, what would you tell her? The biggest thing would be um, let the medical schools tell you no. Don't let anyone else tell you no. I mean, it's expensive, but it's it's not as expensive as doing a special master's program or going to physical therapy school when you don't want to go to physical therapy school. All right, so there you have it again. That was Madeline going to medical school here August 2019 after a journey that she potentially thought she couldn't get into medical school, partly because somebody told her that she couldn't. And a lot of you have this voice in your head that's telling you you can't do this. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You don't have the grades. And a lot of those voices have come from external sources, whether it's an advisor, a family member, a friend, wherever that may be. So as you are doubting yourself, remember that that doubt typically came from somewhere else. Don't lean on that and use that as a crutch moving forward. Push through and realize that the goals you want are out there and within reach just like Madeline did. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years.